Welcome to the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers and social care. My name is Pierre Rafter Burton and I'm a Skills for Care locality manager. And hi, my name's Ali Rusbridge and I'm also a Skills for Care locality manager. In the Care Exchange podcast series, we're talking to leaders and managers who work in social care. We hope it's a great opportunity to hear about their experiences and the tips, learning and knowledge that they want to share with other managers. So the reason we decided to create a podcast was that we really wanted to celebrate the role of managers in social care. And we also wanted somewhere where managers could listen to other managers, feel less isolated and pick up some good ideas. The Care Exchange Conversations, a monthly podcast, so make sure you click on the subscribe button so you get notifications of the latest episode. So, if you are a manager in social care, this is the podcast for you. Our second conversation is with Sue-Anne Namani, who's a registered manager of a large nursing home in North London called Priscilla Wakefield House. We both met Sue-Anne when she took part in the Skills for Care Leadership Programme a few years ago. Sue-Anne had so many ideas, we thought it would be really great to have a conversation with her. So, on with the show. So welcome, Sue-Anne. Thank you for joining the conversation at the Care Exchange. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. It's great to be here. Great. So, a bit of a conversation with you. It'll be really good to hear more about your role. So, um, tell us a little bit about, more about your role at the moment. So I'm presently a registered manager for a 117-bedded nursing home, and we're located in Haringey Borough. Um, And yes, we have all sorts of different types of clients, including um, people with dementia um, and or living with dementia, and also um, younger adults with uh, physical disabilities. Okay. And how, what was your sort of journey to get to the point of being a registered manager? So um, my journey began, um, I would say, back in my childhood, because uh, I was um, born in the Caribbean. And when we, um, you know, we were churchgoers. So after church, my mom would take us to what we classed, um, quote unquote, poor home. It's, It's just a facility where people who couldn't be housed in the community were housed there. But um, we didn't feel that we should ostracize them from society. So we'd go and paint their nails, sing songs, do their hair. So when I migrated to the UK in 2003, um, I applied for a job initially as a team leader. um, And then I, I quite quickly became the acting manager after three months of being at a small uh, residential care home in Wandsworth. And then from there, my my career just blossomed. Uh, the manager had been seconded and he didn't return. So I was then interviewed for the registered manager post. And back then there was a registered manager award. So it was like, I think a level three, actually, level three or level four NVQ. Um, and then from there, I went on to managing bigger services. And then I moved into nursing homes, although I'm not a registered nurse. Yeah. Wow, that's quite mm. a, a a quick, quick kind of a career career path, isn't it? To 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 manager. Yes. And and how do you you know how do you kind of get you know how do you get your brain around the fact that I'm now the manager? Do you remember those feelings? Thinking. Yes. Oh. Well, I actually remember my first day because my um the way that the team leader role was advertised, and this this will be very funny. Um, was that you booked appointments for GPs, you 
um, sorted rotors out, you support in managing a team. So I, I um, had already completed my degree in human resource management. So um, I have a bachelor's in HR. And I thought that that would have kind of been an inside role to get into where I ultimately wanted to be, which is an HR business partner at some point in my career. But when I, um, I got dressed in a pin, pinstripe suit with high heels uh, and I got there and my um, said, I think you might want to reflect on what you're wearing. So I ended up having to um, obviously doff <laughs> for lack of a better word my pinstripe suit and don uh, more comfortable attire um, where I was uh, then inducted in terms of personal care and supporting individuals and I, I absolutely enjoyed it it was I think the smallest this that particular care home set um, my career um, and, and where, where my path was going to lead because I felt I was intricately knowing each individual. I knew their history, their life stories. Um, I knew what made them laugh and we went above and beyond. And I think yeah. it was a really great experience. Yeah. Goodness me, what a star, eh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like a personal motto to at work? Yes, usually it's uh, don't lose sight of the simple things that matter. Mm. Um, and that's just, just purely like you give it your all and, you know, you treat everybody as an individual and how you would want to be treated um, with love and respect. And I think um, our, we, we've got um, an acronym that we um, coined actually on the back of attending one of the Skills for Care well-led program. Um, and it's called CREST. And it's uh, compassion, respect, em empower, support, and trust. And I think all those things um, make up um, what we hold dear to our hearts in terms of supporting our individuals. Yeah. That, that's a great acronym and a great set of values. Yeah, I, I can imagine that being quite useful when you're all, all kind of part of your everyday working life just having that in the back of your mind isn't it just kind yes. of thinking you know every time I'm doing something does that follow um you know yes. what we're trying to trying to do what all, all kind of values are yes well. and and it was created not just by staff and the organization it was created by the residents and their relatives so yeah. I think everybody really felt that that summed up what we wanted and what the residents and their relatives wanted yeah okay and being sort of kind of a manager of what i come by many you said uh was part, how many beds 100, you have 117 so it's a large Big. large home isn't it yes yes so definitely. you must be incredibly busy you know so how do you manage to keep up with your workforce with your staff I think um, the most important thing that I've seen in managing larger services is that you have to make sure that your whole entire team has an idea of what you do and are aware of how they could support. It's about delegation, effective delegation. So you're not just passing jobs on, but you're finding things that are meaningful to the staff members that you work with just so that you know when you hand something over, they've got a passion for that and they would carry it forward. So I would say I'm really, really blessed to have a, an excellent management team. So I've got a deputy manager who is a registered nurse. I also have um, 
two heads of care, and they're also clinicians in their own rights. They're both registered nurses. And then I've got a night manager and, and a whole team of, of people that are in um, certain roles that would help the bigger picture that we're trying to achieve at the home. Yeah. So you're saying for you that having that backup team under you is really important to be able to manage an organization like that. Absolutely. And it's, and what's most important is giving them that autonomy because mm -hmm. when I first started to manage this care home and um, it's been almost five years in March will be five years since I started there. Um, there was a, a culture of everything had to go through the manager and decisions mm -hmm. had to be made by the manager. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I saw in shifting that kind of culture where everybody feels that, yes, we know sometimes the answers aren't with, and in fact, I'm sure Pia, you'd agree, the answers aren't, aren't always with the manager no. because the people who are working on the front line, on the ground, such as the carers, such as the nurses, are the ones that actually could come up with the answers if they're allowed that freedom to think through a process and think through a, a problem. So I think um, that was one of the biggest things that I saw that was necessary in terms of supporting people to be yeah. um, autonomous. Yeah, I, 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 it was kind of one of the things they used to say a lot as, as a manager, I would, uh, you know, if somebody came to me with a problem, I'd always start by saying, well, what, what, what's your thinking? What, what do you think we can do about this to, to kind of enable somebody to start thinking about it? It wasn't just, you know, me not wanting to answer. And, and unlike you, I would often say, I don't have all the answers, but was kind of just saying, well, is that, you know, why, what's your thinking about why you've, what, when you're coming up with the answer, why are you thinking that? What's your rationale behind it? Getting them to start to, to kind of be more and more comfortable about making decisions without yes. the manager being involved because you can't, with, with such a large home, you can't make every decision, can you? Absolutely. Not enough, not enough hours in the day. Yes. And, and in terms of your staff, your, you know, so kind of the frontline staff, um, you must have a huge staff team. How do you kind of make sure you're connected with them? Because I know that it's really important that even though they may have several layers of, of management between them, that they know who you are and what you stand for. How do you have that uh, connection? You have to know your employees. Um, I spend time with my staff. I know them by name. I know wow. sort of what's happening at home with them in yeah. terms of, you know, it, th th there's issues that, yes, we, we, we don't always want to get involved with things that's happening at home, but if they have an impact on how they work and, um, you know, their commitment levels, then obviously that's something you'd need to explore. And I think it's always around once you know what sort of things they're, they're struggling with or what's happening in, at their home, then it, it, it makes life a lot easier because if somebody comes to you and says, I can't start at eight because I've got to drop my child off. This is the distance from the nursery to the home. It'll take me a bit longer. Then you could do flexible arrangements for those sorts of individuals and show them that, you know, that the value of them even being in work, um, how that, how much that would mean to the individuals yeah. they're supporting. So I think it's, you know, I, I have regular supervisions with my staff. In fact, we now call them individual support meetings. Mm. So not, not supervision because it dredge, dredges up quite um, negative connotations. But um, we, we have regular meetings with them um, on the floors. I go and I, I make sure I see what's happening. So when they come to me and say there's a problem, 
I don't just sit back and think, okay, yes, there's a problem, sort it out. It's about kind of looking from their perspective what that issue is and unpicking it as a team together. So even um, recently we had some team building exercises because you have new staff that are consistently coming on board and staff leaving, um, et cetera. So to build those sorts of team ethoses and make sure that people are bonding and, and gelling together. I do um, the uh, three lies uh, and, and one truth. So it's basically where they give three mm -hmm. statements that are um, untrue and one that's true. And then the other team members, based on knowing them, have to pick which, which of those statements it was. And I think that not just those, we do lots of different ones, but that's just an example where it, it, it just makes people laugh. So for example, everybody thought that I had been to Australia <laughs> when actually I'd love to go. <laughs> um, but it's just, it, it just makes um, them feel human and, mm -hmm. and, and feel a part of that wider team. And I would say one of the biggest um, praises I have for my team um, in terms of the different teams, because you've got your care team and you've also got your ancillary staff, is those staff, the ancillaries, because you've got housekeeping members of staff that actually know our residents much more than even a carer. Mm. Um, and it's purely because they've got that time. So when they're delivering laundry, for example, when they're cleaning a room, they're actually getting to know the residents more and more. And that, that really makes me proud, you know, when I hear them say, oh, I've taken a couple of items home to sew buttons on or to stitch, you know, mm -hmm. somebody's clothing. Yeah. And those sorts of stories, unless you're a manager, that's actually knowing of your staff and asking those questions, you'd never know. And they'd never be the ones to come forward and say, I've done this or I've done that. But then when you look at the stories that lay behind, um, talking to them and understanding that it, it really does does amaze me but it, it relates back doesn't it you know the the, the simple things that matter something about non and something like that so absolutely. simple but so important that's absolutely. great absolutely so your staff during the covid your staff must have had a really tough time how do you kind of get you know how do you make sure that they keep motivated they don't feel like um you know they're making a difference that that the work is so valuable yeah, so we, um, we made sure that we followed the government guidelines. So the minute somebody said they were unwell, we didn't say, oh, you know, it might just be a cold coming to work. We said, you take the time you need. We're still going to support you. We're still going to pay you for that shift. Mm -hmm. And that was even before the new guidelines came out where we've been funded for that. We just made, we, we knew that there would be an impact financially if we weren't continuing to pay staff their salaries yeah. so that was number one we touched base with families who had been stuck outside of the UK and looked in on their mm. families that are still here so for example you had a mother who had been back to her home country and um, basically you know the children were still in the UK so we just made sure that they were safe that they had enough food that they had everything they needed and when the parent was able to return to the UK we offered loans so that they can actually book their tickets to come back. Yeah. We also did food bags. Wow. So on a, on a weekly basis, we made sure all our staff members had your, your basic necessities, your eggs, your milk, your bread, pasta, um, just so that they didn't have to go into grocery stores as often as they would have ordinarily done. Yeah. 
and that that would be a top up on top of their probably general shop. We had well, well, um, well, well-being meetings. So we had like wellness calf. It was just an open space with ambient music just to reflect on how they were feeling. And we also felt um, that yes, sometimes when we lost a, a client, the residents' relatives would be grieving, but our staff who knew them and had that um, closeness would have also been going through that grieving stage. So we had the North London Hospice come in once a week to sit with our staff mm -hmm. members and um, whoever wanted to attend, it wasn't a forced upon thing, but we did find that there was a good take up and people were able to express how they were feeling around the deaths that were happening during mm -hmm. COVID. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we did quite a lot. We listened to the staff, we asked them what they wanted and we, we, we just made sure that they knew the value in them coming into work and not letting, you know, the residents and the home down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, sh I'm sure it's, you know, I'm particularly interested here about the well-being space that you're giving your staff, because obviously we are hearing that the, a lot of staff, a lot of managers are really struggling. You know, it's been a, you know, a long time. It's now the winter, you know, and, and well-being is so important. So really pleased to hear that those well-being sessions has made it made a difference. Yeah. So um, at, at our nursing home, we have 10 mental health first aiders. And I think going through the MHRA training um, has really taught us a lot on how to reflect, how to sit and how to listen and kind of just give people that space to just unwind. So, um, you know, even we worked with IAPT, which is um, a team, a mental health team within Haringey. So they offered free sessions for staff to build um, kind of routines that they would do outside of work or during a space within work where they felt that they needed to just come off the floor, they'd be able to just re, re, you know, refresh themselves before they go back into that kind of situation. Yeah. It sounds like you've really concentrated on the well-being of your staff as a really important part of dealing with COVID. Yes. Yeah. So do you think it's important that your frontline staff are sort of kind of see themselves as professionals? You know, and, and what can you do as a manager to make sure that they have that that kind of they feel that status it's that is absolutely important i think um all throughout the pandemic the first peak particularly a lot of them were classed as unskilled um they didn't get the same recognition as the nhs staff did and i think for me as a manager what i kept saying to them is let's have our own clap day and let's celebrate mm -hmm all the achievements because majority of my um, team members have got their QCF qualifications, whether level two or three. They're um, currently doing their training nurse associate program. And I think it's, it, you know, it's, it's so important for them to see this as a career, as a profession, and not to just see it as a job that I go to without any recognition or any, any status. And I think having the care badge as well has meant a lot for our staff because I remember yeah. getting the first email um, in terms of the orders and I placed an order straight away and um, I was so, so excited to hand them out and so were the staff to receive them. So I think it was just making sure that they knew and felt that their impact, I've even shared with them statistics of the fact that when the NHS is overwhelmed and there's no beds, 
you know, obviously those care home, those residents that were being sent back to our care home clearly were um, supported by them. So they, they were a part of that bigger picture stuff, which made sure that we weren't overwhelmed during the first peak. And even now going forward, we're also looking at supporting some of our, our, our staff members with their um, math and English, because some of them are um, English is their second language yeah. and just helping them through that so they could get on to another qualification. Yeah. But we, 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 we didn't um, stop at just letting them know how important their role was in this yeah. crisis time. And do you think that badge has made a difference to the, the carers? I'm assuming you've given, given everybody a, a, a care badge. Absolutely, absolutely. I think like the NHS has their logo um, and they're seen as a body, I think the staff all felt, you know, we are part of Department of Health and Social Care. This is our care badge yeah. and we wear it with pride. And I think even um, we, have, we had ordered our care badges prior to the, the shutdown of the website and then the rethinking in terms yeah. of sending it back out. So we did have, but for the new employees that came on board that didn't have, and we couldn't order then, yeah. um, it was so important for them to have that. So I think, yes, it just made them feel that they were part of a bigger community of um, support workers and they all, they all wear it with pride. Yeah. And, and you obviously um, use it with pride because you've got it as your backdrop for your team's meetings, haven't you? The, the logo, yes. which is great. Yes, we, we felt we had to create one when we saw all the NHS ones out there. <laughs> yeah, like, and not uh, that we're in competition. No, we're definitely like all joined together. Yeah. But I just think that, yeah, it's, it's really, really good to just have something that says we are, we are a care um, team and we are, we're all in this together. And really, it's about looking, you know, you mentioned a few times some of the different projects that um, that you've been involved with. You know, why is that important to you to kind of look outwards and, and be part of any projects or any initiatives that are available? I think, firstly, it's about knowing what's there um, and making your, your um, environment able to adapt when things are changing. And the only way you're going to know that is to be involved so we, we have regular weekly briefings with our local authority, which happens once a week. We also have them with our CCG, and we're also involved in a lot of pilot projects. And had we not looked outwardly, we were the first care home in London to have actually been given the opportunity for our staff to have the COVID testing done. Mm -hmm. And that meant so much to the staff in terms of feeling confident that they could come into work, that they weren't going to be taking a virus back home to their families. So I think it's so imperative to actually keep those links with external stakeholders and just to be in the know. So when things are out there, you're gonna be the first because people will know your name, they will know your organization, and then you'll be the first to kind of have that leverage over others in terms of your support. So even now we're, um, we were a part of the NHS pilot, NHSX pilot, for care homes to have the vaccine. And um, that was initial, initially where they were looking at how the vaccine was going to be rolled out to care homes and what our thoughts and views were around that. So as a result, we've now been sent the letter where this week we're looking at numbers in terms of sending 
staff members to get the vaccine done. Yeah. So you really have been at the front line of quite a few initiatives through keeping your links external really strong. It's, a, it's amazing that you're concentrating on the simple things in terms of knowing your staff and the residents, but also knowing what's happening outside. You've got your eyes both inwards and outwards at the same time. Yes, yes. And I, as I said, I wouldn't credit that to just me because you've got to have all the team wanting the same thing. So, for example, you've got my deputy manager who, if I'm not there, I don't have any less confidence in the whole team's efforts to continue to maintain the mantras and to make sure that everything's, um, you know, ticking along as well as it, it would if I were there. And so everybody um, has a part to play in that. Everybody supports that. And that's why it's so important that as a manager for me, to look and see that they're all obviously working collaboratively with external stakeholders to making it happen. Yeah. Really interesting what you were saying earlier about um, people getting to know your name and the name of your of your home. Obviously, um, I was a register manager for many years and I don't think I really thought about that, but having kind of come to maybe kind of looking at it slightly differently, working a lot with the local authorities in my area, I can see that when there are any kind of initiatives or pilots that often it doesn't actually get to the part of of telling everybody there will often be a, a, a quick turnaround and it's it's the whoever is making those decisions will will say well who are the people that we know are are willing and able and and um we you know will always turn up at events that we hold or have meetings or have something to say um and they spring in their mind their mind and they will go to them first so i think you know it is about having that taking that that responsibility yourself and thinking it's really important that people know that what we are doing is really really great um, and, and then, you know, if you have an opportunity to other speak to other people, attend a meeting with external uh, people, then, then do, you know, take that time because the more people know what you're doing, the more they will think of you and then you will have opportunities, like you've just said, that obviously has really worked for you. Yeah. And um, to, be, to be honest, um, initial, initially when I started managing the home, I noticed that the community wasn't a part of the care home and it was... Um, I think we didn't know what sort of links we needed to get involved with in order to get the community knowing of the home. So they knew that there was a care home, but they didn't know much about what happened in the care home. And we decided to do a cleanup campaign. So we went to our green space because there were always, unfortunately, um, you know, Tottenham, North London area is a very... Um, Let's see how, how politically correct I can put it, but uh, it, it's, it's got a high crime rate and there's quite a lot that go on in terms of drugs and muggings, etc. not far from where our care home was. And we saw that the green space needed to be cleaned up um, and our staff members all went there in mass, uh, including myself. I got my, my um, you know, uh, daughter's childminder involved and my daughter came around just for a couple of minutes our CEO came and, and, and supported that and what out of that came was um, there was a resident association that's actually in that locality and they saw what was happening and they came and they said oh you know we see that you guys are out in mass you're clearing up the space and um, we just want to introduce ourselves. We're a residents association. We usually plant bulbs in the, in the green space to brighten it up. And we do 
a monthly um, drive to get people out into the community to clean the area. And this has actually continued from there on to even now where some of those um, people from the association, we had a piano that was sitting in our nursing home, wasn't being played. Now they come around, they tune it, they play it for our residents. And we've had so much that's come out of that one little act of kindness that was not something that we thought we were doing for any kind of you know, publicity. It was just purely us wanting to make the area safe for our staff, for our local community, because we see a lot of children playing in that space. So um, out of that came quite a lot of things, good things, yeah. positive things with regards to our community uh, liaisons. Yeah, that important of, of looking outwards, you know, is really, really key when you are in a, in a local community, wherever you say home care service or care home to, to know, you know, my, my home, the home I managed was in a small village and, and we had a stall at the village fair and, you know, it was, and we were, I was part of the committee, you know, so it was really important that, that everybody knew who, who we were and that we weren't just the people in the care home down the road um that, that we were part of that community and we gave as well that it wasn't just a you know a, you know the look at us come you know give to us it was also us giving to giving to them that was a really important part of of, of the care home and something i've believed really strongly in and yes. as you a bit like you have experienced you know once we just gave a little bit of our time for this was for the village fair um once we gave that we suddenly were inundated with, with connections in the local community and that was a really important part of, of growing the home and making sure that that everybody felt that they were part of that community yes so we're getting near christmas yes. what exciting things are you planning around christmas oh there's so much <laughs> um <laughs> maybe your decide, top three <laughs> yeah we we have actually um external um so Al alexandra palace they've got performing team and they've been out to see the space. So they're going to do some outdoor singing whilst our residents stay indoors and look out. Um, we also have a window, window puppeteer that's coming into the home as well to do the same. So although there'd be an element of obviously not intermingling with our residents, but there'd be social distancing, um, our residents would actually still be able to watch live performances during the Christmas time. And uh, we had Santa's, Santa's elves uh, last week, we celebrate. We well, we did a um, fundraising drive for Alzheimer's Society called the Elf Day, um, which was last Friday. And on that day, because most of the staff were dressed up as elves, uh, they decided to support the activities team in wrapping all our Christmas presents for our residents. So that's already out the way, and Christmas trees are up. In fact, one of uh, our staff members from the night team, one of the nurses, said to me oh, we don't think our Christmas tree is the best. It looks a bit dull and dreary. We want something new this year. So we went out and bought two further Christmas trees and the night team with residents that usually stay up a bit later assisted them to decorate the trees. So every unit is looking like Christmas. Uh, our reception is like a winter wonderland. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, I think one of the CCG members that's on our MDT walked in and said, oh, this looks just like Harrods. And we were like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's a great compliment to have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're not, we, we also did um, a cookie baking competition amongst the floors. So the residents and staff got involved. They did cookie cutters and made different shapes. 
and they were decorated. And then we had a judging competition at the reception um, to see whose cookies were decorated the best. Um, And usually we post lots of stuff um, about what we're doing in terms of Christmas. Uh, There's there's quite a lot. The children, although they're not going to be um, coming in to do carols this year, they've done recordings and they're going to be sending them across and we'll be playing them on TVs for our residents to watch. Wow. Great. Sounds like a great Christmas. Yeah. Brilliant. So much happening. (laughs) Um, So, Anne, the questions I'm going to ask you now are ones that we ask to everybody in our conversations. So there's a a few here. So, Suanne, what story or experience do you always tell people? It could be uh, at a social occasion or it could be in work. What story is it that you always tell people? So the story I always tell is um, of my upbringing, because I think that set um, the tone for the way that my life has panned out. Mm. I think just that joy, um, that love, that, you know, family feel. And then when you actually give people a part of that, just that little bit of love and kindness and compassion, it goes such a long way. So that's the story I always tell is about my childhood and my upbringing and the impact that that's had on me being a registered manager and how I support my team and my residents and their families. Thank you, and that's such a powerful story, you know, your commitment to to really supporting other people from such a young age. Um, So what do you really, really like about what you do? And it's the second really that's important there, you know, what are you really passionate about in terms of what you do? I absolutely love the joy that comes from seeing the residents being looked after in a way that I think is, you know, exceptional, just going the extra mile, staff sitting, laughing, not having to get up and run when they see me coming around because I'm, I'm possibly doing my checks, but just knowing that that's actually what it's about. It's about spending that quality time with them, getting to know their life stories. So as much as you're getting to know them, you're sharing yours as well. And I think for me, that, that puts a big smile on my face. Each time I see the residents smile, it, it lightens my heart and it makes me feel that I'm doing something brilliant and, and supporting them to live good, fulfilled lives. And, and I know our listeners can't, um, can't see you, but I can see a big smile on your face now as you're talking about that. So it obviously brings you real joy. Um, and in terms of our, our time for care slot, we call this, What's your, I, I'm feeling quite tired just listening to how much is happening in your home. And I think, you know, I, I'm sure if I was you, I'd be absolutely exhausted with the amount of things that are going on. But what's your most time-saving tip to other managers? If you have, you know, how do you manage such a, a busy role? What's your time-saving tip? My time-saving tip is this big word that has a small meaning, delegation. <laughs> you have to know your team. You have to be able to just set some projects aside for others to start working on to build their confidence. And I think that's, that's where I feel I save quite a lot of time. No, that's really, and and I think the way you said at the beginning, how important it was to have that team around you is really, really powerful. Thank you. Um, So you've, you've talked us through so many um, words of advice and and, and wisdom here for other managers. And we're going to give you a very difficult task here because we'd like you to try and describe the things that you've said in, in only three words. So if you had to leave our listeners with three words to sum up some of the things that you've said today, what would they be? 
Oh, that's a tough one. It is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only three words. <laughs> um, stay connected always. Ooh, Ooh that's a, yeah. <laughs> you, you put your three that. words together. That's great. <laughs> that, and and it does sum up so much of what you said. Yeah, it? absolutely. It's really, thanks so much. And and by the way, I'm I'm really wanting to come and live in your home for Christmas. It just sounds absolutely great. All oh, the things that you've got. We don't have any beds, but I'm sure you can have one in my office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Suan, for, for talking you. to us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our guests, Suanne Amani. That was a really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Suanne. I know, she got so many ideas and so much energy. I just thought when I heard her talk about how she, how important that delegation empowering her staff was, I just thought you're completely right. And I remember this so well, how important that was to me that I had that team around me that I felt that if I had a day off, I didn't need to worry and that everybody had a part in the kind of ethos of the of the home it made me think of the register manager webinar that we have around uh, delegation and, and mm. motivating your staff team it's a really good webinar and also there's some really good bite-sized resources that if you kind of think well I maybe I don't do as much delegation as I could do um, to have a look at those bite-sized resources might be really useful yeah, I agree. Effective delegation is so important, isn't it? I also thought it was really useful. I mean, she her values came across so strongly, didn't they? And when, yeah. when she was talking about the values of the organisation and that acronym CREST, I thought that was great because what that did was summarise the values so well, didn't it, in, in a few words. And that whole thing about having values and then embedding them and the, and the way that we do that, I mean, obviously we, we, we believe in that really strongly in Skills for Care and the resources, again, it reminded me of our values-based work, both in, in recruitment but also embedding values and 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 the culture of the organization being based on values is so important isn't it so you know that that resonated with me and she I just bet you, if you yeah. ask any member of her staff they could mention crest yeah yeah easy right. to remember yeah. like that isn't it yeah. really good and to the do fact that acronym. it's been created by the whole by the people who work there by the people who live there and the families you know mm -hmm. i expect everybody will know exactly what crest means to them yeah that co-producing value is such a good tip. So thank you for listening today. Don't miss the next episode. Follow the Care Exchange by downloading the Podbeam app. You can also listen and subscribe for your usual podcast streaming service. If you enjoyed the Care Exchange podcast, please share with anyone else who think benefit from it. Thank you for listening. <laughs>